1: Hey what is up everybody welcome to the guilty is charged podcast coming to you live on a Saturday morning my name is Stephen and I'm the host as always uh, excuse the the little raspiness starting to come down with a cold it is that time of year uh, get your flu shots take emergency all that good stuff especially if you're working a school like I do uh, joining me this morning is my guy Tyler who I think was a little sick last week uh, so he can vouch for that a little bit but uh, Tyler how are you doing this morning?
2: Much better. Yeah. I got mine during break, which is good and (laughs) bad at the same time. Yeah. That's a classic move for me is to get sick when I have time off, but I'm feeling much better now. And I'll tell you what, Steven, the season stinks. Chargers are four and seven. They have a snore a game coming up against the Patriots. (laughs) They might not even have Keenan Allen. You know, what's good is talking about the draft. I opened up 2024 draft grades I've watched <laughs> one game of Brock Bowers hey believe it or not. I know it it has officially begun and I'll tell you what things are looking up and Brock Bowers he's pretty good
1: yeah that Brock Bowers guy is is, is uh is really good so uh our guy Austin Xavier I don't know if he's in the chat today but he's uh, a Chargers fan who lives in Buffalo he's been one of our our longest supporters he's actually going to the game on Sunday uh, tomorrow less. So uh, <laughs> wish him. Well, I hope the weather is at least nice. And, uh, you know, I don't even I haven't even looked at that. But uh, uh, hopefully the, the Patriots fans treat him well. Uh, any other Chargers fans that's going to this game. I uh, respect it. And uh, I could not be me personally. Um, but, uh, you know, should be fun. Well, we'll talk about the game today. Um, and we're going to talk about the draft a little bit. Some draft implications on on today's show. Um, but yeah, the Brock Bauer stuff, man, I was looking at things yesterday, you know, you have the Dalton Kincaid, my guy, obviously Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave, Jake Ferguson, Trey McBride. This is probably the best group of like young tight ends in league that we've seen in quite some time. And this era of Chargers football has really made me appreciate tight ends and quality tight ends, (laughs) like the advantage that you have with and above average tight end in the NFL right now is is extremely high. So I'm I'm very jealous of all these teams that have a, a great young tight end. Hopefully the Chargers can get one in Brock Bowers next year. We'll see where they end up picking, but uh, you know, the char- the 2020 Chargers team made me, you know, uh, appreciate good offensive line coaching more. This era of Chargers football has made me really appreciate great tight end play. Shout out to Antonio Gates. Uh, future hall of famer obviously mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's where things are at for me i, I just like i watched these teams i watched jake ferguson on thursday night and was like man that'd be really nice to have right now
2: <laughs> yeah especially after like hunter henry you know henry was never antonio gates right that was never ever ever going to happen but right. there was always just a steady four catches 40 yards five catches 50 yards and a touchdown or something it was always very steady and you really do miss that production I don't know why they will not give it to Gerald Everett as much. That's all yeah. a whole different topic. Um, I do believe he could fit into like that top 10-ish group of tight ends, but it doesn't get the ball a whole lot. Um, but yeah, the the tight end classes, especially this this past one, of course, really solid contributors. You know, it's nice for the Ravens to lose Mark Andrews, but still have Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar yeah. and then these guys just to continue to roll through these tight ends and, and not feel so depleted and not lose
1: your scheme as much it seems yeah yeah so i agree about jared everett and we know that justin herbert has had an affinity for his tight end play i mean hunter henry had a great season jared cook had a good season at, at his age with the chargers jared Everett last year the lack of everett this year has, has been a bit weird to me especially with all of the injuries at wide receiver um but we'll see what it is All right. uh, Today we are going to uh, have an eye towards the draft. Not necessarily talk about like the 2024 class by any means, Um, but the fan base seems to have uh, moved on from the season. So we felt like, you know, last week uh, when I was gone, Tyler and Alex spoke about like the the coaching issues that have kind of plagued this team, and and so now we're going to kind of pivot towards roster construction. And, And obviously, you know, Tom Telesco has been the Chargers GM for. For 11 years, but specifically this era, because I I believe that Brandon Staley has had a much larger hand in the roster construction than previous Chargers coaches have. So I I think it's fair to bucket the two of them together for the state of the roster and the way that things have panned out. Um, So we're going to look at the Chargers draft history of the past three years, see what kind of lessons we can take from that and see how that stacks up to the AFC and NFC contenders right now and look at how potentially the Chargers can kind of use the draft to rebound into the next phase of Chargers football. Justin Herbert obviously is going to be very expensive. The Chargers have a lot of dead cap next year. So the draft is, is obviously going to be the key thing here. Um, Tyler, you have prepared a slideshow for this and uh, we'll dive into it. But when you look at this from like a broad sense What's your biggest lesson that you have learned from the last three years in terms of the Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco, three draft classes?
2: There's a couple, a couple of different directions we could go here. I think one is sort of what we've already just talked about, which is you need to anticipate when draft classes are stronger than others at certain positions. I think it was a rather significant failure and now officially sort of has been. For the Chargers to take a receiver in the first round of a quote unquote not great wide receiver class and then not take a tight end at all in a great tight end class. And now you feel like you might need both this upcoming class, which is a horrible outcome anyway, but you need a tight end and you're praying for Bowers. But after that, you look at the consensus board and you know things change all the time. There really isn't a guy out there. So now you're praying for Brock Bowers or you also have no money in free agency and Gerald Everett is gone. And so you could be stuck looking at a very, very rough tight end group next season. So I think they need to do a better job of anticipating when classes are stronger and when they're weaker, you know, the we, you and I, I don't think ever took a receiver in the first round of our mock drafts this past season, Mm -hmm. because we felt so strongly about the second round, the third round, the fourth round. And as much as, you know, fans, and even we'll talk about like, I think you and I either in second or third or third and second, had Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison as two and three or three and two, whatever it was, but we never took them because we felt like we could find guys later on. And even looking at this this group, assume the Chargers even took Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, and assume they had the same production as they do right now in their current offenses. Both guys are projected for less than a thousand receiving yards this season. Does that mean it's a failure? No, and I'd, I'd love to be close to a thousand and further away from like I don't know two hundred like other receivers that the Chargers may have taken. But you understand like the strength of the draft is both the depth of this past draft, which is evident in the production so far, and also this upcoming draft. This upcoming draft is so good at receiver that Marvin Harrison Jr. is in it and is the wide receiver one, but there are people who go, it is actually almost close because there are potentially two other guys who are challenging who could be legit wide receiver ones in any class but it only happens to be in the Marvin Harrison Jr. class. They're so good. And now the Chargers will have to pray for Brock Bowers and roll with Quentin Johnson, who they took at the top in the first round of a not-so-great receiver class. It's just, it's tough. I think the Chargers need to do a better job of anticipating how the drafts are going to play out. It's not always perfect. Like, you should not, and I don't think they did this, but you don't not take a tight end last year in anticipation of Brock Bowers this year you you, no one does that right so that's never going to happen and i don't think they did that but you need to anticipate when the classes are stronger and just looking at your roster the chargers drafted they basically drafted a wide receiver four in the first round this past year and that's a critical error so that that's part of it um there are definitely more you could take i think two other lessons just from this quentin johnson pick alone
1: yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, really quickly, the Chargers are traveling. So they're uh, earlier news released than usual. Um, LD Burn pointed this out in the chat. So appreciate him. Mm. Uh, the Chargers have signed Alex Erickson to the active roster. Um, obviously, Keane Allen has been injured. Alex Erickson has been is out of practice squad elevation. So um, some wide receiver insurance. Um, I didn't see who was released, but uh, Alex Erickson is on the active roster. And then Steven Anderson, who they signed obviously uh, to the practice squad a couple of weeks ago, is uh, up for tomorrow's game. Obviously, Nick Vanette mm-hmm. is is uh, out with a concussion. So Steven Anderson will uh, will take that role. Obviously, last week it was Hunter Campmoyer who only played uh, the one snap, but uh, Steven Anderson up for tomorrow's game. Interesting. I wonder who's – I can open up the Chargers.
2: Oh, they didn't do it yet. Usually they have like the corresponding reading that says – they let go oh elijah dotson that's who was released so there goes any um potential spark for i mean i understand why the rb4 who's not playing is released for the the tight end slash fullback who you probably are going to play it's just unfortunate that that was the corresponding one which means spiller is the third (laughs) all right so yeah, Elijah Dotson has been released in terms of snaps and his role, of course. Like that is who you released. That's who we talked about. If Jalen gutton came back, that's kind of who we talked about. But uh yeah,
1: well, that's neat. Yeah, I mean he's he hasn't played since like week two, but frustrating allocation of resources for sure. Um, which can certainly be its own show at this point. Um, but yeah, I think you know, for me, one of the biggest takeaways from like the the last three drafts in particular is certain weaknesses are never anticipated and some of that is understandable but the the chargers have like always preferred to bank on player development and get competition through like undrafted free agents or cheap veterans or things like that whereas you want to talk about like anticipating needs we've all seen what has happened with the cornerback room we've seen over the years what has happened with the offensive line room with the wide receiver room and not really anticipating that need so you look at what happened with last year's wide receiver room right so they take Josh Palmer in 2021 they don't take any wide receivers in 2022 and all of the receivers get injured, and so you're left with DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, Josh Palmer for a, a several-week stretch. And how do you overcompensate that? You take two receivers in the next draft. That's kind of what Tom Telesco has, has always done. He did that with with mm-hmm. Joe Reed and KJ Hill back in the day, and, and obviously those guys didn't really become anything, unfortunately. Um, so it's just the for me like especially at premium positions like i think you should just always be taking shots at a pass rusher, at a cornerback, at a wide receiver. Obviously you can't do them every single year, but definitely more than the Chargers have done in the past. Like i think, you know, uh when the Bengals made the Super Bowl back in 2021, i went back and looked at, and wrote an article at that time about like the lessons that the chargers could take from the rams and the Bengals, and one of the things i always noticed about the Bengals is that they were drafting wide receivers like every other year like pretty consistently and you just never know like when when do these guys become a hit like did they need to take andre yoshivas this year no probably not but t higgins has been hurt jamar chase has been hurt so that guy becomes your valuable, you know, depth piece. And maybe he becomes a key starter down the stretch. And, like, you look through their history. And, like, that's always something that they have believed in. Um, And, obviously, when you have these kind of receivers, like, they're not going to be able to afford T. Higgins next year. And so, like, those guys are going to be able to come in and, and and step into bigger roles. So, those premium positions, for me, like, that's the lesson. Like, you need to invest in premium positions at a much higher frequency and then that gives you some more cushion in case things don't pan out. Because right now, Asante Samuel Jr. has taken a step back. Michael Davis is taking a step back. He's not on a plane right now. JC Jackson, stuff like that. If you had taken a rookie cornerback, then you don't have that big of a drop off. You have at least like a valuable draft asset who could potentially be taking these minutes. Um, maybe like, you know, maybe not. Maybe you don't take Brian Branch. But maybe you take a guy who can play in the slot in like the third in the third round, the fourth round, and you're playing that guy right now instead of Isang Bassi. I, I thought he played well, but like he was a veteran free agent off the street. So that for me is the key lesson is like these premium positions, you have to invest more frequently. I'm not saying like first round, second round, I have to like all that stuff, but just throw darts at these premium positions every other year and see what happens. Maybe you 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 land into a, a great situation um, with one of these guys, you know, the Colts right now drafted that seventh round corner, Jalen Jones from Texas A&M, and he's been a great starter for them. The Cowboys with the Bland, you know, mm-hmm. he, they threw a dart in the fifth round. They didn't need a cornerback that year, but he's become a, a consistent contributor for them. He leads the NFL interceptions this year. You just never know. And so, that's that's the takeaway for me. These premium positions, you have to invest more frequently. And even if you have a guy, like it doesn't hurt to draft a fifth round edge rusher like next year or whatever the case may be. Um, just because you have a guy like Chris Rumpf, who, who's presumably your edge three, just take one. You never know what yeah. happens.
2: No, that, that's great. That was definitely one of my three points that I wanted to bring up as the investment in premium positions. I wish the Quentin Johnson pick were working out better and I wish we saw anything more because I don't want them to shy away from investing in a receiver in the first round in the future, although who knows who's making the calls. But their investment in a premium position in the second round with Thule is obviously paying off. Didn't know how much he was going to play. Could have argued earlier in the season, in the preseason that, that Chris Rumpf might have been the 3a or whatever but he he never got on the field in week one and lo and behold it's Thule. and now you feel so much better um, as jason pointed out i lost the comment here it is as jason pointed out draft at least one receiver edge and db in in most every draft and i agree the corner position this past year was tough to anticipate um, although jc who knows but going into this year i think you felt good i no, i thought they'd bring back bryce callahan but you felt good about the idea of Asante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis coming off the season that he had, um, JC Jackson hopefully returning. That's just like a bonus there. Uh, John Taylor looked good in, in very brief spurts, but overall you felt good about the group. And then the Chargers didn't take a single defensive back in this past draft. And you know I don't know where you know the the better pick would have been. I don't know who the better pick could have been, but I certainly don't think you could have you had to go get Max Duggan. You know, instead of another corner or a tackle for what, for what it's worth or a, a receiver or whoever. Um, and you really didn't need to go get Dayon Henley. I think that I like the Henley pick in anticipation of what will occur next season. I assume he's in line to start depending on who leaves. Either one or both of the linebackers are leaving, but he's projected to start. So I do like the anticipation there. It just feels like if that's such an unessential, non-essential pick or a player position for your team investing a third round pick in that is pretty rough and before that was JT Woods you know I understand why again that was anticipation of Nasir Adderley leaving but I just feel you got to sometimes invest in the premium and that 2022 class the the lack of investment in premium positions is basically what it was killing them Uh, JT a safety even Zion Johnson as a guard I understand why you take him. I like the idea of taking Zion Johnson, but he was not in premium position. Could have been Jermaine Johnson, could have been McDuffie, whatever. But I understand why they took Johnson. But then Woods, you know, you go safety, you go running back, then you go defensive tackle, then you go technically guard, a little saw your played tackle, and then you hit your DBs. And lo and behold, the DBs are actually the ones that are you feel better about in the sixth, and then, But then you go fullback right after that. Yeah, And just the lack of premium positions it was rough and I think the good news is is I feel like they kind of learned from that this past season in 2023. So yeah, keep keep loading those guys
1: up and you should be better in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get this uh slideshow up here. Uh, Tyler put a lot of work into this yeah I, I as someone who is a visual learner, appreciate the organization of this so I do have to say that um, But you look at the three draft classes as a whole. Um, for our audio audience, these are the guys, obviously, on the pick. For 2021, you had Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuel Jr., Josh Palmer, Trey McKitty, Chris Rumph, Brendan Hymas, Nick Neiman, Larry Roundtree, Mark Webb. And then uh, you had 2022, Zion Johnson, obviously traded the second-round pick for Khalil Mack. You had JT Woods, Isaiah Spiller, like Tyler just mentioned, uh, Otito Ogmonia, Jamari Sawyer, Jasir Taylor, Dean Leonard, Xander Horvath, and then in 2023, obviously, the most recent one, you had Quentin Johnston, Tui, Tui Peloto, Deon Henley, uh, Darius Davis, Jordan McFadden, Scott Madlock, and obviously Max Duggan. So those are the three classes um, that we're really focusing on in this conversation. Um, we always like to kind of grade draft prospects based off of like their grades sorted into high-end starters, high-end players. uh, future starter strong number three slash future starter in a pinch practice squad all that stuff so tyler um how did you kind of go about this uh in terms of sorting these players out it it was
2: tough because there's a lot of asterisks here when players have been hurt you know so my my sorting here for people that are looking at this on youtube watching this live or whatever the assumption is that all Chargers players are healthy you know so like okay what would their role sort of be if everyone's healthy like technically you know, some guys are starters, but like, are they really, you know, because injuries happens, I don't know if it's fair to call them a starter. So I I really wanted to break them up into almost like grades, like we have sort of done with like projections for draft prospects, but then like sort each of the four columns. So I've starter primary backup, mostly depth, and then, you know, the other guys right off the 53 man roster altogether. And I think within there, there should be a subdivision because, we can say that Tom Telesco, Brandon Staley have drafted several starters, but like there's a difference between starting and being a good starter. And I think I do want to make that distinction there. There's a difference between being a, a backup or a strong number three and just being a backup because you naturally exist at that spot and you are just a backup because you are the next guy in line. Sure. Um, so stuff like that. So I really wanted to try to differentiate between the two. And it really was unfortunate to make this graph to be or this graphic to be completely honest, because really the only high end starter, again, asterisk over Tuli to a below two there, maybe Josh Palmer, like you could consider them starters. Um, But that's again, if if the roster is healthy, I don't know. But it stinks that after the 24 selections in these three drafts, the really only high end starter you can pull out of those 24 is Rashawn Slater. And frankly, that's probably the easiest pick you possibly could have made out of any of these selections here, like that. It's Rashawn Slater at thirteen. Like that didn't take a whole lot of brain power. Yeah. Um, just just had to deviate from your norm of of prospect size, I guess. Right? He wasn't the tallest, but otherwise, like it's not a great group. And the other category is, is kind of killing them. It was Zion Asante, et cetera. So, yeah, it's it was rough making this one. I was trying to find a way to. You know, like I wanted it to be positive. I wanted to see more out of this, but breaking them up into, you know, instead of four categories, breaking them up into the eight, you really just, you you, you hate to see it. You hate to see this group. Um, There's a lot of good players in here, several good players in here, but the lack of true quality starters
1: is unfortunate. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, you know, assumption on all chargers being healthy in this instance is so maybe Tully kind of moves over a category and, and next year I probably wouldn't have him move over a category, but um, you know, right now he, if, if all chargers players are healthy, he is a, a future starter, not a, a, a strong starter. So I, I think when you're looking at draft classes, like obviously the goal I think would be to find at least like one high end starter in every single class. And we'll look at, we'll look at some of these, uh, other you know contenders and see like what these classes what their classes are looking like but in general like you're you're trying to get you know obviously more players in the left as opposed to the right and you know right now with with just Rashawn Slater being a high end starter it's unfortunate like i think um you look at Zion Johnson and i think like the expectations obviously when you draft a guard in the first round and, and it was a guy that <coughs> that I was in favor of drafting because I felt like he was an immediate starter for that team and, and, you know, a stronger investment in protecting Justin Herbert is always a good thing, but he hasn't returned that kind of investment, obviously. Um, You know, I I think with where they were drafted, I think you objectively probably feel better about what Jamari Sawyer has given uh, this team because he was a six round pick. He was a fine left tackle. He's a fine right guard. Zion is is also a fine guard, but he's, yeah, uh, he was a first-round pick. Like, you are not drafting a guard in the first round for fine. Um, I love Zion. I think he can potentially become that player. But, you know, I, I gave the Dallas Cowboys a lot of shit that year because Jerry Jones came out and said they felt like Tyler Smith was the best guard prospect, um, and turns out he has been. He's been arguably the best left guard in the league this year. Um, so that's when you draft a guard in the first round, that's the stuff that you're looking for. And I thought that Zion Johnson could be that, but he, but he hasn't been. And so that's the kind of decision that you make that can really hurt your draft class. You know, you draft a Sunday Simon Jr. in the second round and it's been inconsistent. You know, you're not necessarily drafting a second round pick every single year, expecting a high end starter, but you're definitely expecting an above average starter, and again, I I love Asante, but he has been far too inconsistent and hasn't shown enough growth in his third season uh, in the areas where you're really looking for. He's still a complete liability in run defense, for example. So it's just been it's been frustrating because the guys who you are investing top 100 picks in have not shown the signs that you are investing in. And some of one of them is literally inactive and can't even get on the field over Dean Marlowe. So Uh, it's, it's definitely when you put it into perspective like this, it definitely is, is frustrating to look at.
2: Yeah. LDE Bruin. I don't know if he's specifically, specifically referring to what I'm referring to, but regards to coaching, like the step backwards, like this, these classes, the 2022 class probably in particular, but I felt so much better about a lot of these guys heading into this season than they are currently panning out. And it's, it's almost an across the board, um, not yeah. like, but regression for everyone outside of Rashawn, who's dealing with three injuries and a really couple tough, uh, high, two different high ankle sprains, which is ridiculous. Um, but the regression from Zion, Jamari seems kind of like a wash there. You could say it's progression, but you can't really tell. Zant's regression. Um, And then everybody else that they drafted like it's just it's a bummer to see most of these guys either go backwards or remain stagnant. You know, there was I understand if you take JT Woods in the hopes that he develops, it's tough to say because he like has not played and we have no idea what the illness is. But someone like Isaiah Spiller, him not even be able to be active on game day is just it's just so unfortunate. And so, yeah, if you look at the other classes and we will from some other contenders. It's just the ability to find guys that both contribute meaningful snaps who could, you know, maybe fit in like the other category, but are also good starters at their positions. And then for the charges to only have Rashawn Slater out of the 24 and really, you know, only Rashawn Slater out of say, you know, let's say six or nine
1: first, second and third round picks is not great. Yeah. And I know, uh, real quick, some people were confused about this, uh, Xander Horvath is no longer on the practice squad. Um, he was released uh, in place of Austin Pleasance, uh, who they brought back after uh, he spent training camp with them. So mm-hmm. um, Xander and Mark Webb have both come back for brief practice yeah. squad stints, um, but neither have panned out. And I, I think that could be something to take away too, is that a lot of these Chargers players are drafted and like the first thing they say is like, special teams whereas like other teams draft players in the third and fourth rounds expecting them to be contributors and then they'll teach them how to be special teams players Mm -hmm. and that I think could be its own takeaway with Xander uh with you know Chris Rumpf and Nick Neiman where it's in Deion Henley and it's like the first thing they talk about is like special teams it's like (laughs) okay but you're investing you know premium picks here and so it's just that i think could could certainly be its own takeaway as well yeah yeah that, that one we the good news is if
2: you say we took a player and also special teams is their main thing the good news is that these days it looks better like the special teams you drafted special teams players and the special teams is also good thank goodness like we're finally in that point um but still like yeah uh, that and then just the the seventh sixth and seventh round guys I know that those guys are not always supposed to be. You know, they're not the great, the best prospects. There's a reason: an injury, poor testing, not great film, not great stats, or whatever. But you look at some of these these classes, um, especially from some of the guys that are contenders, and they just the sixth and seventh round guys. Maybe they've done some special teams work, but some of them hit. And I just think you got to start aiming for you know not a fullback, not a quarterback in those rounds, and try to find any dart throw at a premium
1: position guy instead. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's get to the next part here. We're uh, at 30 minutes. So as a whole, uh, this graph on the screen right now uh, was prepared by our guy Arjun. Uh, Go Big Blue today for Arjun. Um, This is weighing team draft success by round from uh, 2012 to 2022. Um, This does not include 2023. Um, But this is where the Chargers have been at. They are uh, fifth worst in the league over that time frame in the amount of value that they have added in the draft. And that is including quarterbacks, uh, mm-hmm. including Justin Herbert, obviously, including Rashawn Slater, these guys who are producing a ton of value for the team. But um, I think, first of all, you look at this and like the margin is super slim. Like it's not that uh, difficult to see the Chargers moving up this list in the future. Um, but outside of the Bengals, you look at these other teams at the bottom and it's a lot of like very bad teams over the last few years, whereas, you know, the best teams in the league, which we'll get into here in a minute are consistently at the top. I mean, outside of the, the, you know, like current Patriots and current saints, like those guys were, you know, dominating the the late 2010s, you see the Cowboys, there, the chiefs. The Rams, the Colts, uh, the Lions, who have really kicked it up a notch recently, the Eagles. So um the draft is such a valuable resource and like duh. But the teams that we're gonna talk about here in a minute do very specific things that the Chargers have not done over mm-hmm. the last three years. And I think those are the like that's the kind of edges that you're looking for to rebound into the next Chargers era where hopefully we can be looking at them in a much more positive light in terms of draft success.
2: So those who are watching, the <clears throat> black arrow is pointed at the Chargers. I apologize that this graph is not the easiest to read, but the uh, the takeaway is easy to understand. I think what's also worth pointing out is just checking out the 90th percentile for a lot of these teams. And you look at where the Chargers are here, and it's four players, maybe in the 90th percentile or better. It's pretty barren over there. And, and frankly, over about 85% There's still only four players where even you look at the team above them, like the Texans, there's what, six, seven, eight players in that range, which basically means the Chargers are, you know, they're getting okay picks and maybe some some B's in here. And that keeps them above some other players. But the lack of true, legit, starting, probable, all pro, great players is pretty damning to the whole draft process for them. And it certainly was. I'm curious how this would look. Just Staley era. I think Telesco has drafted better the past three years than his first three years, or even the next set of the years first three years are, were
1: not good. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> right. And <ejaculate>. also giving
2: <laughs> and trading up for those players as well. Yeah. But yeah, the gap here between about 85% to 100% to only have four players there, where you can even look at like the Raiders, who we kind of laugh at all the time as being a poorly drafting team. And they certainly almost always have been, even they have maybe what seven players in the 85th percentile or higher there. Um, honestly, looking at that, I'm surprised the charges are not lower, but I assume there must be some, some cluster in here somewhere where they are getting, you know, a good like floor to their picks, I guess, relative to the teams, but they're just not, there's no home runs. There's barely even triples here.
1: Yeah. And, and that's a tough way to live in today's NFL. So, um, appreciate arjun for uh doing this draft or doing this uh graph work if you will um always appreciate him it's very helpful to uh visualize things like this Mm -hmm. um all right so let's look at these afc and nfc contenders again this is the same draft period obviously we could go back and and look at several draft classes here but um on the screen for those who can't see and and apologies that this is uh, a, a little bit zoomed out but you have, oh, thank you, Tyler. Took our, our faces off the screen there. Um, but you have the last three draft classes for the Baltimore Ravens, for the Kansas City Chiefs, for the Detroit Lions, and for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think a lot of this can put into per- perspective how difficult the draft is. But also, like I mentioned, I think you you see key principles here for each of these teams. So, mm-hmm. Tyler, when you look at these four teams and compare them to the, like, what the Chargers have had, what's your your big takeaway here
2: draft board movement that is beneficial to the team's ability to go get not just more players but higher quality players yeah each of these teams has a first, as a set or maybe multiple sets of drafts where they have more than one first rounder now do the chargers have i mean they do but are they are they trading away matt stafford for a couple of firsts? that's not happening obviously um you know some of these teams they don't have tyreek hill to trade away that's not happening so i understand that you can't always get multiple first round picks and multiple drafts. I don't expect that all the time. But you know, the the Ravens over here, whether these picks panned out or not, found a way to move around the board in let's say 2022, where they accumulated one, two, th- let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six fourth-round picks. And I'm not saying all the Chargers' fourth round picks have been rosy, but boy, I would have loved a lot more of these guys that are in the top 150 um you know being able to move around i think is so critical and so key the the eagles do it all the time and that just gives them ammunition to go find a player that is someone that they want later on you know they can move around and go get x player because they've accumulated one more pick in some other draft so in the off chance that someone's sitting right in front of them and they need them they can go get them yeah you know the the lions of course moving around again they're able to trade but they also traded back like jameer gibbs was not they said they would have taken him at nine or whatever it was, but they got him at twelve. Is that a good pick? I don't know. But at least they traded back and got him. Right. Yeah. Like would the Quentin Johnson pick have been, you know, a whole lot better if the Chargers traded back to 27 and gotten him? Not really. But maybe they would have had a fifth round pick in there because of it, or a fourth round pick in there. And they could have taken, I don't know, another player that didn't pan out. But at least they took another one. <laughs> so like at least that process is good. Whether it works out or not, it's a different story but i like the process of these
1: players or these teams moving around yeah you mentioned a, a few things there in terms of like trading assets and and also the ravens are kind of like the kings of like the comp pick formula like that was their uh 2022 draft class like they had a ton of com- compensatory picks from their okay. 2021 group of free agents leaving so that's why they have so many fourth round picks there But overall, like the general philosophy, I think, of all of these teams is more shots, like more darts to throw at the board as opposed to less. Like, of course, you can trade up from time to time. You know, obviously, the the Eagles have traded up uh, a few times for these players. They traded up to get Devontae Smith, for example. Um, But in general, you want more picks than your traditional seven. And like with Tom Telesco, like, even in the 2022 class, where he had those four seventh round picks that were compensatory picks. Um, who knows what they turn out to be, right? Um, or I think it was two, two, uh, two others, uh, an extra six and, and an extra seventh. He traded back with the Bears to get his <laughs> six-round pick pack from the Khalil Mack trade, and he was like, I got my pick pack. And, like, that's Telesco, right? Like, he holds on to his picks, and he doesn't play the board. And the only time he really does play the board is when he trades up to go get a player that his coach really likes. And so, you know, I I think in general you want more picks, not less. This upcoming year, you know, who knows what happens in terms of like compensatory picks. Who knows what happens in in potentially trading Mike Williams or, or Joey or Khalil or whatever the case may be. Theoretically, the Chargers should have more picks next year, but it can't stop for next year. You have to do this every single year. And, you know, these teams have these multiple shots at the board. And again, you just never know when you can find a guy like a Jalen Watson for the Chiefs, who um, has become a a consistent cornerback starter or Isaiah Pacheco, who Alex loves to always bring up. You know, he is, you know, their running back starter. If the if the if the Chiefs have taken like the Chargers mentality of like holding on to a first round pick, they never draft Isaiah Pacheco and they're still trying to make Clyde Edwards helaire layer work as mm. opposed to like, Hey, like let's just throw a shot here. Who knows? We'll, we we'll, we'll see what happens. And Isaiah Pacheco has been a legitimate difference difference maker for them. Um, you know, Brian cook has become a legitimate starter for them again in the second round. So it's just, you want as many shots at the dartboard as possible. And then again, some of this is hit or miss, but you're trying to get, at least one difference maker in every single draft and I think all the teams all of these teams have done that and then you look you're looking for ideally three three legitimate starters in every class. but if you can get at least one high-end starter, one legitimate starter alongside that, then I think that is generally a win. And so those are the, the key things I think I'm looking at is more picks and more legit starters obviously. And then the other conversation
2: comes down to, OK, even if you swapped out the Chargers classes for the Chiefs, I know fits are weird, but let's just pretend. What does Brandon Staley do with the Chiefs 2022 class? Now, I know Carlotta's probably pans out because Giff Smith can make it work, right? Sure. Gift Smith, J. Rogers, they'll make that work. Any any edge player, D tackle player probably be good. But, you know, it, what is Trent McDuffie doing in Brandon Staley's scheme? What is, what is Sky Moore doing with Kellen Moore. If, well, let's say we use Sky Moore like the, the Chargers have been using uh, Quentin Johnston. Is Brian Cook any bit good? You know, the Chiefs draft class, yes, they played a lot in year one, but it was also about the continued development into year two for them. And that's what makes the Chiefs more like contenders this year and one of the best defenses in the NFL right now. Whereas the Chargers are completely going backwards because their 2022 class, which we liked a lot, is wait, 2022 class? No, 2021 class. Regardless, the 2022 go. class for the Chargers, or 20, for the Chiefs, holy cow, took a step forward, whereas the Chargers
1: classes have not. Yeah, you look at what the Chiefs are getting from Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, not so much Sky Moore. That pick hasn't panned out, which I think a lot of people were very upset about when that happened. Yes. Um, But Brian Cook, Leo Chenal, these guys have all taken legitimate steps forward. Um, Darian Carnarn hasn't really become anything. I don't even think he's on their team anymore. But Jalen Watson has been a key, you know, CB4 for them and, can, and be a reliable starter. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is their starting running back. So, um, again, it, it's just the investment in premium positions in the later rounds, and you just never know, like, when you can uh, find a legitimate starter there. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at these other teams, the playing of the board, the premium positions, it all stands out as, you know, advantages that they have Uh, gotten over the Chargers over the last few years and again some of these players like we don't know you know what what the case may be Jalen Carter is not even playing for or not not Jalen Carter excuse me obviously Jalen Carter (laughs) is playing he's freaking really amazing but uh, Nolan Smith is like barely played for the for the Eagles but hey like next year if you're not playing without Brandon Graham maybe Nolan Smith is your is your guy so yeah um, you know some of that is, is to be determined but You know, they're getting value out of Sidney Brown right now. They're getting value out of Tyler Steen right now. And so it's just, you know, those premium possessions, positions, multiple picks, playing the board, those are all areas that can, can turn things around. I know this is probably being, like, really negative, but the beauty, I think, of the NFL draft is that when you really hit on a class, it can really turn your franchise around in a hurry. Look at what the Lions... 2021 classes right now for them. Panay Sewell, Aline McNeil, Mm -hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown are legitimate franchise cornerstones for them who are building this thing out for them. And now they're, you know, winning the division. Like the Detroit Lions are winning the division right now in, (laughs) in a runaway in large part because of that class and because of what they're getting from the 2023 class. So, you know, things right now are obviously very negative in the fan base, but if you can hit on a couple draft classes, like really hit, Things can turn around so quickly, even in like a tough like cap space scenario for the Chargers next year. If they hit on three guys in next year's draft class, you can turn this thing around so quick like some of these teams have done. Yeah, and the Chargers almost did it in
2: 2021 with even just the first two picks with Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. When those guys were playing, and obviously Slater was him, and Zahn, I don't recall how early he got
1: involved, but he was playing
2: much better it than is, he currently was is
1: like right away he had an interception against the commanders he <laughs> was like a, a great game that week so it was it was, it was right away for Asante.
2: Yeah. Uh, you just have to obviously keep going, but you can, you know, if you can find I don't know if it would matter this year, but you can find one more Tuli Tripp below to contributor there or in the first round anybody else other than Quentin at this point. You know, you could see I don't know an entirely different season for the Chargers this year because of all the other issues, but it would have been
1: more fun yeah yeah all right I think that is uh the last thing we wanted to talk about here is the like just uh snap counts by the draft class so Tyler we can just jump over to
2: yeah so I was just bored I don't know
0: uh I was just
2: just curious how much the Chargers players are playing uh, in 2023 compared to other other teams and so this this previous one was the Chargers classes and how many snaps they're playing um, in total this season and then on average per player. So just looking at it, you know, obviously the the 2022 class is playing more. A lot of Jamari Sawyer in there and and Zion on there. Uh, It's tough. I don't think this graph, this this graphic or what I found out really means anything because, of course, like Jordan Davis is going to play less than uh, a a safety who's out there the entire game. You know, a, a quarterback who's a third string quarterback like Hendon hooker isn't going to play a lot, but I I was just curious where the chargers were in terms of contributions this year, and average snap count compared to the four contenders. I left out the 49ers only because their draft class is basically just oops. We went and got Trey Lance. Yeah. I don't feel like that was like a good way to evaluate what's going on. So I went with the chiefs, the Ravens, the Eagles and the lions. And in terms of how, you know, in terms of average snap counts per player drafted in the last three classes, and their average snap counts this year, the Lions and the Chiefs are getting the most, followed by the Chargers at third, and then the Ravens and Eagles at fourth and fifth. But like you talked about with Nolan Smith, that doesn't mean that these players are not good, that these are bad picks. It's just some of these teams are really freaking good and they draft and develop players really, really well. And so they're just, they have elite prospects just sitting on the back burner, whereas the Chargers, you know, injured or other players aren't panning out or whatever, they're playing more now. So I don't know if it means a ton, but I, I did want to look at it. And the, the Lions are just the class of of everything right now. If you're looking for a future GM, you know, I think the way the Chiefs have manipulated and changed things, the Lions the way they've manipulated and changed things, navigating, you know, trading away Stafford or trading away Tyreek Hill and finding ways to hit on several players, I think the Lions and the Chiefs are two teams you look at
1: to try to get the best best next GM possible. Yeah. And I I, I think for different reasons you're probably trying to to poach what's happening in philadelphia you know obviously the the aggressive nature that they roll Mm -hmm. with i think is is very unique to to their own as as alex can can vouch for so Mm -hmm. um it is a, a valuable exercise looking at snaps played um you know the chargers are probably a lot lower on this list if you know mike williams and uh josh palmer are healthy you know so uh, if, T- if Otito Agonia starts the season healthy, we'd never see Scott Matlock, and he played a lot at the beginning of the year. So, um, you know, it is what it is. All right, Tyler, any uh, final thoughts on this before we get to some of these questions?
2: No, but I think, that, okay,
1: yes, one random thing.
2: Trust the stats and the composite rankings when it comes to running backs. I looked at the last couple of classes, and if you took the top 15 running backs, we do composite rankings just for fun. Like fourteen out of, or like thirteen out of the fifteen running backs in our top fifteen are like the ones you are good that are good. Now some of that's easy. Bijon Robinson, yeah, he's very good. Jameer Gibbs, (laughs) of course, he's very good. Like Keaton Mitchell was third in our composite rankings, and like lo and behold, there it is. Isaiah Spiller was like twelfth. So I, I think that when it comes to the draft, trust the numbers. Sometimes trust. I mean, the 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 RAS helps too. Film, of course, but trust the numbers. Because I think that in this particular case, it's almost easy to find out who the good running backs are
1: if you do your homework enough. Although we've only done this twice, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are certain positions where, like, college stats actually matter. But, you know, I I think a lot of times the NFL in general, and this is not just a Chargers problem, this is NFL as a whole. Like, when you watch tape and you see an elite guy and then you look at the numbers and the numbers are elite, like, Maybe athletic score is not super important in that instance. I mean, like, everybody overthought Brian Branch. Like, Brian Branch absolutely (laughs) should have been a top 15 pick. Um, He's arguably been uh, right there with Thule as one of the biggest draft steals in uh, in the draft experience. But, you know, he ran, like, a 4-6. And so it's like, okay, well, he's not super fast. So, like, he's not a first-round pick. It's like, well, (laughs) Sam Laporta, same kind of thing. It's like, well, he plays tight end. And... (laughs) <laughs> the numbers were elite. The film was elite. Like, who cares? So, mm-hmm. again, not just a Chargers problem. That is the, yeah. the entire NFL. You know, those guys are second-round picks. Joey Porter Jr., same kind of thing. So, um, it is what it is. So, um, I think this is a valuable exercise, you know, because I think you want to look at, you know, what other teams are doing. And that's something that we've always seen. It's like, well, we we have these complaints. It's like, well, what are other teams doing? This is the exercise that we wanted to put out and and look forward to, you know, hopefully the Chargers can turn this around again. The great thing about the NFL draft is you hit on one, it drastically changes your future. You know, the 2017 Saints got like four starters out of their class and they were immediately a contender. So uh, you know, it is what it is. <clears throat> the good news is that the char- good news, the Chargers when they
2: stink, they pick higher and that tends to yield a, a better First round pick, obviously, for the most part, um, Justin Herbert or Sean Slater. So hopefully picking, I don't know, seventh but what they probably end up this season. If unless they go on some ridiculous run, uh, hopefully that yields a pretty good player.
1: I don't think they'll be picking that high. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably more like 12 or 13th. Like I know, yeah. you know, obviously nobody wants to hear that in terms of draft pick right now, but
0: we'll see what it is.
1: Um, all right, so we'll get to some questions here. Um, before we do that, obviously, I have to tell you guys quickly about some of our sponsors that have been uh, great partners this year. Um, first and foremost, uh, Tyler and I have uh, loved using prize picks this year. I had my first four for four night on Thursday night. Uh, <laughs> so I've had a lot of like three for four nights. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a wussy gambler. I always do like the the play where if you get three or four, three of four, right, at least you still win money. So that's always what I do. Um, but this Thursday, I finally hit four out of four with uh, this the Seattle Seahawks and Dallas Cowboys putting on a show. So um, Prize Picks is a super easy to use daily fantasy app. Um, you, you simply just plug in the players. You do more or less than and uh, you fire up the numbers and, and you can win money every single week. So it's been uh, a true treat to play. Um Tyler's mom obviously has been crushing it on prize picks. So Tyler, real quickly, who are your uh, specific chargers picks this week?
2: So Keenan Allen is currently at 92 and a half receiving yards, which means it went up by three yards since I think yesterday. I totally understand in most games, why you would consider the more there. And frankly, he's been hitting the more the last three games or in in most games, but he's hit over that specific more. The last three games, he's had a hundred yards or more in the last three games, but He's got a quad injury. Obviously, he's got the AC joint injury. Um, it's apparently going to be like 40 degrees and potentially raining in Foxborough when I just Googled it. So that doesn't help either. And of course, Bill Belichick is like Keenan Allen is the offense. You take away him. Frankly, if if Gerald Everett has 200 receiving yards, Bill Belichick's probably fine with that. It's going to be anything but Keenan Allen, I think, although Kellen Moore has done a good job. So I would take the less on Keenan Allen there for, for various reasons. Um, I would take the Derwin James more on six and a half tackles. I think that while it's not super fun to watch him play deep safety, I think the Patriots basically do everything close to the line of scrimmage. Not deep safety, but slot and stuff like that. Um, I think the Derwin James have a lot of opportunities there. And then, guys, I'm going to go for it because it has to happen at some point, right? We talked about the best way to get back on the fan base's side is to roast J.C. Jackson. Quentin Johnson's. he said at 19 and a half receiving yards. (laughs) I'm taking the more guys. It's, it's just gonna happen. One, one big play, <laughs> one big play or two even average plays guys. Yeah. Just, uh, just a couple of targets, one good old yak Um for Quentin. That is that, that is one catch potentially. You just need to make that catch. So I'll take the more on Quentin Johnson at 19 and a half receiving yards.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. So, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy using Prize picks. You can go to pricepicks.com slash guilty, use the code guilty at checkout for a deposit match up to $100. Um, super easy to use. They have a lot of fun stuff. They have every sport on there. It's not just NFL. Um, you can do NBA stuff. You can do college football. It is championship Saturday. Uh, so if you're interested in, in using Prize picks to, uh, make some picks from the Georgia Alabama game, for example, you can go and do that. Um, they always do some fun combinations like taco Tuesday. There was a combination back in the day, uh, of a Justin Herbert and Bo Nix, uh, combination. So you can go and do that, um, pretty frequently as well. So again, pricepix.com slash guilty code guilty, uh, for a deposit match up to $100. Our other sponsor of the year is little Caesars. It is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles chargers. And you can use it for free delivery. You can use it for uh, uh, a nice pizza portal pickup on game days. They have a kickoff special one hour before the NFL games kickoff and for three hours afterwards. Um, We all know how good pizza and football go together. So, again, make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers, part of your game day experience. All right, we'll get to some questions here. Um, We went way longer on our draft exercise than I thought we would, um, but we can give you guys uh, 10 minutes of questions today. We have some super chats already that we'll get to here in a second. So if you are uh, waiting to ask us a question, now is the specific time. Um, We appreciate you guys here in the chat today. Always do. Always appreciate the super chats. You guys are great supporters of the show and everything we do is uh, not possible without you guys. So, Again, ten minutes for questions. So go ahead and uh, fire away. Then Alan Silva, I see you sent in the super chat. I know you had a comment
2: afterwards, but if you want to send in a question, Alvin, go for or Alvin. Alvin, go for it. Yeah, I think he uh,
1: he had a comment about yeah. project drafting. But if you want to ask a question, go go for it. Okay. Um first question from a super chat of the day is from Matt uh Mitre M- Meter? I don't know. Uh apologies there, Matt, but uh hopefully one of those is right. Uh he wants to know rate right out of 10, how you think Kellen Moore's first season has gone? Hmm. I'd say a
2: seven, which sounds not some people might think that's way too high. I, I just think that i don't know what i'm supposed to do without mike williams and josh palmer and Corey lindsley i don't really know where like that should be taken into account yeah. the number one thing is justin herbert and i think he has taken a step forward in general so there's that i do like a lot of what they've done but you're dinged a point for the run game being atrocious although that's also kind of on the Chargers for not getting another explosive back And for going one more year with Eckler, which I understand, but like it is, he's not looked great. Um, But the lack of development for Quentin Johnston or any involvement at all is is a knock there. Um, So yeah, seven seems fine. And it is a first year sort of thing. So yeah, seven.
1: I like Alex's six and a half. That feels slightly unfair to go six and a half, but I I do like that. Yeah, six and a half, seven feels right. Uh, Like you mentioned, I think like the. The whole vision that we were promised when the Chargers hired Kellen Moore was uh, we're going to be more aggressive downfield, mm-hmm. we're going to take help Justin Herbert take that next step, and we're going to establish a more firm identity in the run game. I think Justin Herbert objectively has taken a, a, a pretty big step in his development. I think the work that he has done from week one until this past week in terms of having full control of the offense and the checks and everything like that is objectively a big step forward for him um and he has definitely been more aggressive the a dot which i was curious looking at like how it has changed throughout the whole season because over the first 3 weeks when it was everybody was healthy his a dot was like 8.6 which it, it is objectively and not even close his highest of his career hmm. and it's maintained at 8.4 like they're not necessarily getting like the 70 yard bombs that everybody wants and loves. And I and I get that obviously. But they are objectively more aggressive downfield than any charged offense that Justin Herbert has played under, at least doing so more consistently. Um so those things I think he has met expectations at, and that that's a big part of it. The run game has definitely been a huge disappointment, and like I I get why it's the case but I also expected more for sure out of the Kellen Moore rushing experience, especially when they were rushing for 200 yards with all of the preseason guys. And I know like you don't put a ton of stock in preseason, but to me, if you are able to get 200 yards rushing when you're have Austin Pleasants and Foster Sorrell and um, all these like third and fourth string offensive lineman practice squad guys, and Elijah Dotson and Isaiah Spiller, and you're able to rush for 200 yards. Like that to me means a lot. And then Week One, obviously, they exploded for for a huge amount of rushing yards. I expected that to continue. I certainly did not expect it to be arguably worst rushing attack in the league on a week to week basis. So um it's been some ups and downs for sure for Kellen Moore. It is the first year of the system. He only really got to bring Doug Nussmeier with him. They've had a ton of injuries, so there's a lot of context there, mm-hmm. but. First and foremost, he's helped Justin take another step in his development. They're more aggressive downfield. So I, I think, you know, they're doing some creative things as well to try and mitigate a lot of the losses, which was never a thing previously under Joe Lombardi or frankly Shane Steichen. Um yeah. so Kellen Moore, I think it's been hit or miss six or six point five or seven feels fair to me. Yeah, I think last thing you sort of touched <clears throat> on it, but Keenan Allen becoming an
2: all pro in his 30. 30- age 31 season is pretty yeah. impressive too so the 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 core i think is there i wish we saw more mike williams games because he had his 150 yarder and then got hurt so it's a bummer that we didn't get to see what yeah. could have been two easily 1300 1400 yard receivers this season and now it's like yeah.
1: okay so the vision never got to be executed so yeah seven uh chorizo compapas uh says it's the 2024 nfl draft we're on the clock brock bowers is staring us in the face what would it take to move out and how far would you be okay with i assume this is talking about a a trade down experience um we just Uh spent all this time talking about more picks not less that being said if brock bowers is on the board i'm taking him and i know it's november or excuse me december 2nd Uh, but I think Brock Bowers is a a generational kind of prospect at the tight end position, and for me, I think if you have a chance at those kind of players, I think you don't pass on them. So uh, it is December. I have not graded any prospects, but I would be pretty surprised if Brock Bowers is not a uh, top three grade in next year's class for me. Yeah, I again,
2: I watched the one game. And I'll go back and watch 2022 games, but they gave him like a fullback dive on third down and he got that. They gave him a shallow crosser and he got, he took that to the house. You know, he can work for ver- his speed off the line is insane. Watching him, like I was thinking about this, some guys just change your perspective of how you should be evaluating and grading guys. And yeah. I would never go back and un give Dalton Kincaid the first round grade that I gave him, but you just see there's another tier. That yeah. another guy can get, you know, Panay Sewell being one of them. I still considered Kyle Pitts a part of that, even though it hasn't worked out. But man, Bowers, it's just, it's completely different with him. Yeah. Watching what he can do, it's, you know, do you want Kincaid, not as much as a, as a route runner, I think, but do you want like Musgrave, Kincaid, Mayer, and like Washington almost all in one? <laughs> Here's your pick. Like it's, yeah. he's pretty much got everything that you need. It's, he's, he's tremendous. So if he's there, I get it. And especially if Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator, I think you lean into that and what he can provide at, at so many different levels of the run game. Uh, that's almost an easy pick for me. It's not a premium spot there. And we just talked about premium positions. <laughs> but like there's also a sense where, you know, Jalen, Carr, defensive tackle maybe necessarily isn't one of the four core pre- premium positions. But if Jalen Carter's sitting there, the Eagles, you take him. And the Eagles yeah. did, I think at nine, too, where the Chargers currently are. So. If Brock
1: Bowers is there and he's one of the three best players in the class, go for it. Yeah, you're talking about an elite, elite talent. Like, I think that supersedes premium Mm -hmm. positions and draft and trading down at certain times. Uh, I I was going to point out you mentioned Dalton Kincaid. Like, I think one of Dalton's biggest strengths was his how fast he's able to go from uh, receiver to runner. Like, he just has Mm -hmm. that innate, innate ability to just get downfield in a hurry brock bowers does that and then he's significantly more athletic like i love dalton Kincaid, but i think you know he didn't run at the combine or anything he was injured i think he's probably like a four seven five four eight guy like i don't think dalton Kincaid is super fast brock bowers is probably gonna run like a four four five four five kind of talent like he's he's way more athletic than dalton was um and just has that I- insane ability so i don't think he's ever going to be like you know, an inline blocking tight end type. Like, I think it's a, a very similar evaluation to Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta type, but to that next level, because <laughs> like, just it's insane. Um, LD Burn pointed this out earlier and me and him had this conversation. The chargers have had the second most uh, wins above replacement war lost on offense due to injuries this year. They're still hovering around the top 10 um, as he points out in terms of EPA per play points, yards, all that good stuff. So, Kellen Moore does deserve a lot of credit. Like I know people are are pretty harsh on him at certain times, um especially for the, the way that the Chargers have played against uh high end defenses, but a lot of the context uh of this Chargers season um makes it like it, it's a very difficult job that Kellen Moore has and then Dennis also pointed out too, like you're always trying to chase yep. points because the defense is is so bad. Like when you have a defense like the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> you're it, it's just such an easier job because you don't have to score on every drive. Like the pressure is just ratcheted up right now Uh, when this defense is the liability that it is. So uh, again, the context is not an excuse for killing more. Like he does deserve blame for certain aspects of the way that this season has gone. But I think if you look at objectively, like he's done a good job, like he's, he's not exceeding expectations, but he's managing everything well. And most importantly, he's gotten a next, next step forward out of Justin Herbert.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, t- 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 We talked about the Alex Erickson earlier. Oh, uh, Matt Mitri. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Appreciate that, Matt. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> this is such... <laughs> when will the Chargers ever stop sucking? That's where we're at right now. Uh, I appreciate the question, Seth, but uh, like I said, man. You know, you can turn the you can turn your franchise around with two or three drafts and uh you know, that's that's obviously the hope.
2: When Alex dies, <laughs> he says. Oops. Yeah, that's when the Chargers will be good. My grandpa was 80 something when the char- when the Eagles finally won the Super Bowl. So, you know. <laughs> can you, Steven, can you imagine we do this for 50 more years? And the Chargers have not won a Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Which, by the way, we're not.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, like, we're, we're not going to do this forever. Like, you and I are both obviously married and have our careers. Like, this, this podcast is not going to go on forever. So, hopefully, I would love to see them get on a run when we're covering the team. But uh, certainly, like, when I'm still kind of like, young ish I would like to, like if I'm 80 and that's when they win it, I'm gonna like I'm not gonna know what's going on like. You know what <laughs> Calm mean? Down. To... 80 years old <laughs> is <this> battle. Jeez. <laughs> like when I'm 80, I'm not gonna watch every Chargers game and like pay for oh, definitely not. you know Sunday NFL ticket or whatever. Like this is 50 years, but you know yeah. Uh, obviously, I would like to be able to like appreciate the Super Bowl run. <laughs> yeah
2: i'd love to like get up and run outside and like scream and cheer yeah you know i know i know what you
1: mean i would like to Um, not be in a wheelchair
2: yeah uh yeah i don't know how fans do it you know like lions fans browns fans not that the chargers are any better but there's like a whole other tier below the chargers which typically has been the lions the browns so yeah 50 50 years would be a long time for nothing to happen um. Yeah. And this this is by far the lo- like the most I don't care about Chargers football that I've ever been. It kind of died the night of the Jaguars' loss. But at least you know, okay, maybe how, see how the season goes. When they lost the Dolphins, I was like, yeah, never mind. This is, my fandom is not gonna is not gonna accelerate much. So yeah. bit in the doldrums recently. I hope that means then that when the Chargers are getting better and they're maybe winning a playoff game, you know good to show the disappointment now. So you guys can be with us when they're good and we can be excited and happy, like genuinely rather
1: than just going into every season with hype and hope. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. We'll get to some quick hitters here. Uh, DZ wants to know any center prospects y'all like, again, we haven't graded anything, but anybody, um, Jackson powers, Johnson from Oregon, uh, is a Utah kid. He was in high school when I still lived in Utah. Actually, uh, coached against him when I coached uh high school football back in the day. Um he's a fantastic uh individual. I know his family very well. Um great reputation and uh he almost scored a touchdown last night and so he's he's probably the top center it seems like if he declares um he is also an Oregon duck so it would be cool to uh you know have an Oregon Oregon connection and also get some uh you know some more Utah love uh on the chargers as well as a uh, Cole Bishop, my guy from uh, the safety, which is a position of need for the chargers. So um, yeah, quick ones there. I don't know. I, I watch Brock Bowers. That's all I got <laughs> so far. <laughs> uh, Thomas do all Chargers fans root for the lions. We all know what that poor fan base has gone through. I like the lions, man. I, I like Dan yeah. Campbell. I think they're doing some good things. In terms of like the NFC teams, I would love to see the Lions win the NFC. Yeah,
2: that'd be great. I I generally root for any of the franchises who have not done the whole Super Bowl winning thing. I I currently root for one, but then you know when the Seahawks were like seven and nine, and it was Marshawn Lynch, and they upset the Saints or whatever, and that big like like those kind of teams that you know at the time were not the the great teams that they maybe ended up becoming or or whatever. I usually root for them. A lot of Lions, absolutely. 100%. Hundred percent. And it's easy to root for an NFC team to be good. Like I go for it. You're in the NFC. Like go go be good. I don't really care. Um, I hope you do well. Um, yeah, Lions, Panay Sewell. I'm sure there's a lot of people who just kind of root
1: for Panay Sewell as is. Uh so yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Alex says we are rooting for the Eagles. You had your chance last year. <laughs> I do root for the Eagles, but that's that's a family thing. Yeah. No, I mean my brother is an Eagles fan, so it's it's good for the family that at least one of our teams is is elite
2: do the chargers sweep the raiders chorizo campapa says he wants for christmas for the chargers to sweep the raiders they are over two in vegas so far we were at one of those and i think i had covid that was a lot of fun
1: uh That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the game was uh, the game was insane. Obviously, and yeah, we got to record at the Blue Wire Studio, so it was a it was a fun trip overall. But the last trip to Vegas, from the Chargers' perspective, was not so fun. That game last year was a train wreck. Yeah, getting getting roasted
2: by Josh McDaniels and then Jerry Tillery beating up your interior was not the way it should have gone. I yeah. I think they win them. I think they beat them in Vegas this year,
1: but. That's what I said the last two years. I'm going to say yes, they sweep the Raiders. If they barely beat the Patriots today or tomorrow,
2: mm, I don't know. Yes. I will pick the Chargers to win because one has Aiden O'Connell and one of is Justin Herbert and Khalil Mack is, is gunning for 30 sacks Yeah, in one game. <laughs> so yeah
1: yeah um frank blakely i really appreciate your super chat that is uh not a question we can really get into today um you know my uh opinion of bill belichick i'll just answer that part uh has gone down drastically over the last few seasons um If I were a GM of an NFL team, I would not touch Bill Belichick with a 10-foot pole right now. I do not think that he is a coach that can succeed in modern football, and you also probably have to trade for him, and I'm not trading for a coach that is uh, well past his prime at this point, in general, not necessarily for the Chargers, obviously. Yeah, and I'll plead the fifth. (laughs) all right you guys uh that's gonna do it for us um the chargers play an early game tomorrow so we'll be live uh tomorrow afternoon to uh recap that game excuse me um that's uh you know like starting to get a little sick here so apologies for that um but we will be live tomorrow afternoon to recap tomorrow's game hopefully there's some fun things to talk about um we didn't necessarily dive super into this matchup but uh Khalil Mack should be due for a, a pretty big game this week hopefully uh the offense can score more than what's our expectation more than 17 points and we're good <laughs> tomorrow sure this this yeah it feels like Jets light yeah yeah for sure all right man uh appreciate everybody in the chat tonight uh today excuse me I'm a mess right now I apologize we'll see you guys tomorrow as always bolt up see ya.